You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's a tense situation for Jesus today. In the story of the gospel lesson, you can almost see it. Jesus has been invited to yet another Pharisee banquet, a dinner party. But there's some history here. (laughs) He was invited to a, a Pharisee party a little while before. Not too long before, actually. And as Jesus was coming into the party, he did not go through the usual rituals of washing himself and preparing himself to dine, right? And when he didn't wash himself in the way that was prescribed by the traditions of their fathers, the Pharisees were indignant. They grumbled. They complained under their breath, surely. They glared at Jesus. Just as you might glare at somebody who shows up in the wrong group at the wrong time, they glared. And what did Jesus say when he saw that they were uncomfortable? Well, he blew the whole thing up. He said, Woe to you, O Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue, but you don't know justice. You don't love God. Now, if that wouldn't set the Pharisees on edge, I don't, I don't know what would. And yet, these Pharisees, <laughs> they're gluttons for punishment, apparently. That, or they thought, that today would be a great trap. Well, he shamed us once, but now is our chance. We'll invite him to dinner again. But this time, we'll watch him closely. We'll watch him so closely that no matter what he does, we can find a place where he will break the Sabbath law. He'll break it. And then we'll have him, and we can expose him to the people as the charlatan he must surely be. For how dare he insult us? We who keep the law, we who love the law, we who justify ourselves by the law. Now, I'm not very bright. (laughs) So when people invite me to a party, I go. And I don't really think much about it, except that, oh, this will be fun. That is, if I'm, you know, not too busy reading a book or something. (laughs) But I have the feeling that Jesus, he knew exactly what they were up to. And so this is the setting of the story. Jesus enters into the banquet, the party, the dinner party. He probably doesn't wash again. (laughs) And then he sits down, he reclines at table with the Pharisees, with this ruler of the Pharisees who invited him, and he starts to eat. The whole time, the eyes of the Pharisees are locked on him. But Jesus isn't shy. He doesn't keep his eyes down in a way in some kind of embarrassment, you know. But I imagine that the eyes of Jesus were up, And they were staring every Pharisee right back. You see, the the Pharisees presumed this day to judge Jesus. But in fact, it was Jesus who would judge them. The sermon this morning is divided up into two parts. The first part concerns the third commandment and what is the point of the Sabbath day. The second part concerns honor among people in this world. 
Now, concerning this very first part, we know that the dinner party was held on a Sabbath, the day of rest. Six days God created, and on the seventh he rested. And then he commanded that just as I rested from my works after six days, so shall you rest. The Lord commanded in Exodus chapter 20 that you will not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. But the Pharisees knew that Jesus had a way of not caring when his disciples would wander off into the fields to pluck grain to eat. The Pharisees looked at this plucking of grain, right? And they said to themselves, this is work. How dare they? They're trying to eat. <laughs> and then, and then again, they saw how, and then again, they saw how Jesus even would say crazy things. Like, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The day of the Sabbath, in the eyes of the Pharisees, according to the third commandment, was less about resting. And it was more about following rules and following, <laughs> and following regulations to the T. And unless you followed these specific rules... Unless you followed these specific regulations to the T, then, in fact, you were not doing the prescribed rest given you by God. And so they would take a day set aside for your rest and turn it into a day of anxiety, a day to worry about how many steps I've taken. Have I transgressed by walking too far? A day to worry about... is it. Will I break my Sabbath rest if I light a lamp for light? Or in this case, they thought concerning Jesus, will he break the Sabbath rest now this, that this man with dropsy has wandered into the party and set himself before Jesus? You see the dilemma? The dilemma is this. This is the day of rest. And now will Jesus heal a man to do a work on the Sabbath and in that way violate the third commandment and prove himself apart from God, not his prophet, and certainly not his Christ. So they stared at Jesus. You know, I sometimes wonder if Jesus probably asked this guy with dropsy to wander in ahead of time. <laughs> you know? So this guy with dropsy, you know, dropsy is a disgusting and sad affliction. Uh, your, your body is oozing stuff all over. You stink. Uh, you're unsightly. And certainly by the laws of the Pharisees, and the regulations and the traditions of the Pharisees, he was unclean bodily. Yet he staggers into the dinner party. He has eyes set on Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus, and he falls before Jesus. And in Jesus, you could almost see, he's looking at all the Pharisees. They're watching to see what he'll do. Jesus lays his hands on the man. He touches the stinking, unclean man. And he heals him. If there was any doubt about what Jesus would do, there is none now. 
on the third, on the on the Sabbath day, on the day of the third commandment, Jesus blesses, Jesus heals, Jesus does a good work. And then, before the Pharisees could say anything, before they could shout out, "Aha! We found out what you are, breaker of the law." Jesus says, which one of you, having an ox or a donkey, fallen into a ditch, which one of you would leave him there? Wouldn't you go and pull him out? I'm pretty sure that God's law in Deuteronomy actually makes provision for such a thing. And you, who would not hesitate to pull out an ox or a donkey, why would you withhold mercy from a man who suffers like this to love him? Jesus knows something that the Pharisees apparently don't. And that is that the first table of the law is not set against the second table. That you can fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That you can keep the name of God holy and pure. That you can keep the Sabbath day. And yet you can also love your neighbor as yourself at the same time. It's not an either or. It's a both and. The Pharisees would use the law to make themselves righteous. The Pharisees would use the law to show themselves above and beyond other people. In this instance, Jesus, certainly the man with dropsy. They would show by their rigid obedience to even the rules, not even the law itself, but to the rules, that they were blameless, both before people and before God. But this day, Jesus shows them that man wasn't created for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was created for man. Jesus teaches that the Sabbath day, this day of rest, is made holy by his works. It's made holy by his word. It's made holy by his mercy. And this is what we're taught also in our catechisms. How is the Sabbath day kept holy? Not by coming up with rules that we keep to the T so that we don't work. The Sabbath day is sanctified and made holy by preaching, by the forgiveness of sins, by Jesus blessing you with the fruits of his cross. The Sabbath day is made holy by baptism by confession and absolution, by the Lord's Supper. This is what Jesus teaches. And that we could receive on this day, on this Lord's Day, both mercy from our God and also find opportunity to love our neighbor. This is good. And this is right. Now Jesus looks at the Pharisees. 
And instead of letting the argument die right there, instead of just silencing them and continuing on in an awkward dinner silence, uh, Jesus keeps on poking at the bear. (laughs) And so he says, I saw how you come in and how you like to to choose the places of honor among yourselves. It kind of reminds me of my days at the seminary. We would, on Wednesday or Thursday nights, go out to this restaurant, and there was a table where we would sit in this, in this outside in the, at the table, and some of the professors would come, and they would buy beer and drink beer and smoke cigars, and then the students would come, and they would all jockey for a position around the professors, <laughs> you know, to be, to be close to, to the guys who knew it all, right? And it always ended up like the guys who ended up closest to the professors were the most, well, apt students, while the guys who hung around the edges were the lowly ones who struggled to learn Greek and this kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that this is actually how it goes. That we see a, a kind of that we see a kind of hierarchy of uh, of authority and of honor, and instinctively our flesh desires to worm our way into the utmost places, right, of where that honor and authority is found. Now you guys work in office places. And I've, I don't know, I've been in enough workplaces myself where I know how this is. Uh, you try to worm your way into your boss's good graces, even if it means that you might do something pharisaical from time to time, like show your bosses how righteous you have been according to company policy, while at the same time calling to account all of your fellow workers who have not been. Our flesh can't do anything different, I think. Our flesh is always striving to honor itself, to seek out stations and vocations above and beyond where we find ourselves right now. But Jesus says that this is not how it should be with you. Uh, That when you go to a dinner party, you should sit at the lowest place. That when you find yourself among a group of people, even people that you very much so respect and love, that you should wait for them to honor you with their invitation to move up higher, to come closer to the conversation. Instead of striving after stations and authority, and instead of striving after, uh, instead of striving after honor, because we're driven by ambition, fueled by pride. Jesus says to understand that you are humble, to be humble in how you act among others. It used to be in the English language that ambition was a dirty word, that if you called somebody ambitious, it was an insult. It's not so today, is it? Today it's expected that I am to be ambitious if I am to be a a sort of a successful citizen in this world. But I don't think Christians should be seen as of this world and judged by the standards of success in this world. Rather, everyone should know you for how humble you are, how willing you are to set people first, others around you, to lift them up before you are yourself lifted up by another. Now, what happens when we examine this text and we see that Jesus teaches us how the third commandment 
is abused, and then again, how uh, we uh, even abuse honor by trying to lay it in on, on ourselves, we find ourselves to be uh, desecrated, stained, sickening, <laughs> with just how apart from God's word our hearts really are. We know just how far pride and ambition have driven us in this life. We know that other people have even seen it. How we choose the highest places for ourselves. How we judge others by how strictly they keep the rules, right? How we would externalize the law from our own hearts to set it on others so that we would think of ourselves as righteous both before people and before God. We're sick, we're corrupt, we're fallen. just as sick and corrupt and fallen as a man with dropsy who's driven to keep the Sabbath not by pride or ambition, who's driven to keep the Sabbath not by obedience to a law, but by faith. This man seeks out Jesus. He pushes through the crowd into the dinner party, despite the fact that every face is set on him with disgust and disdain. He doesn't care because he believes that Jesus will bless him, that Jesus will save him, that Jesus will heal him, despite how ugly and disgusting and sick he is, even not just on the outside, but also on the inside. And when he comes and falls before Jesus' feet... Jesus doesn't say, how has your obedience to the Sabbath been today? No. Jesus lays his hands on him. He forgives him his sins. He blesses him in both body and soul. The Lord grant us this faith always. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.